hello everybody. Good job up there. Well done. I will wait for that. Good. Hey, I think you guys are grabbing some Bibles. If you do have them, open them up to Jeremiah. I don't even know why I have a microphone. Don't think I need it, but might as well have it. That way when I yell, you can cover your ears. Jeremiah 31 is where we'll be at. You guys have been walking through the, the covenants, I believe, right? Yes, yes, we did, yes. Jeremiah's in the Old Testament there, if you didn't know that. <clears throat> Jeremiah 31 is where we're going to be at. As we're wrapping up, I think they're wrapping this up. By the way, hello everybody, my name's Rich. Good to see familiar faces and some new faces. Top of the morning to you. Uh, I do some stuff here in adult world, uh, and uh, yeah, I love what I get to do. Just bringing people into community. So, All right, here we go. Jeremiah 31, 31 says this. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I'll put my law within them. I'll write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer shall each one have to teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they, will, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquities, and I will remember their sin no more. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for this church. Thank you for the students in this room. God, may we walk out understanding a little bit more of what this new covenant actually means, the game changer it is for our life. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, catch us up. Again, maybe you know of the book of Jeremiah, prophet of, uh, of the Lord. He comes in and he tells Israel, does anybody know what he tells Israel? Anybody know? Anybody know the book of Jeremiah at all? You could take a guess besides you. Anybody else know? I will call on people. Uh, you think it's good news or bad news? Awful, awful, awful news. It's like saying that the Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl. That's how bad it is going to be. You know what I'm saying? I know. That's, it, I can't imagine that would happen. And to say that I need to be... I, I need to be happy about it. That would be awful. Why? Because I don't want them to lose, or I don't want them to win at all. Here's what Jeremiah says. He says this. Hey, Israel, you are not only going to get overtaken by Babylon, and I know this is a lot of maybe history for you, but Israel is God's people in a specific place, and, and, and we actually learned about it. Maybe you guys already did a little recap, right? It's that Mosaic Covenant that if you serve me, if you obey me, then you'll stay in this land. Do you remember that covenant? It's, uh, it's one of the only conditional promises that God made, right? If you do this, then I will bless you. If you don't, you won't enjoy this land. So they're getting kicked out of the land. Why? Because they were just disobedient. Not just a little bit. They were a lot of disobedience. You could read that in the Old Testament. So he says, not only are you going to get kicked out by Babylon, number two, this is my will. I'm actually letting this happen which is just a bummer, and you got to go to them and basically say, I surrender, which is unheard of of God's people. You don't want to just go and do that, right? But he also gives them hope, the new covenant. So it's not just for us. We have to take it into context, right? This is for God's people. Bad things are about to happen, right? You're going to be kicked out of this land that you love and you know, 
It's you're going to be in captivity. However, I'm going to bring you back. This is, uh, this is some amazing promise of hope that he gives. Now, why are they getting kicked out of the land? Because they wanted something other than God. In fact, Jeremiah 2, you don't have to turn there, but it talks about in chapter 2 of Jeremiah, saying you guys are idol worshipers, you guys are adulterers, you are, you're, trading, you're trading me for a cheap imitation. Now let that sink in, high school students. We wouldn't do that. We wouldn't ever trade the invisible God for a lie that we could see. No, that's not us. It is us. We can sit here and blame Israel. The reality, we have a lot more going for us, which we're going to see about in the New Covenant in a minute. But that they said, look, we want God, but we want other things as well. And he's like, no, no, you just need me. And they're like, ah, we don't really want you. We want these other things. And that's what they were doing. And he's like, all right, we're done. They're idolaters. They're, 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 they're forsaking God for a cheap imitation. But the, the beautiful thing about the New Covenant is that God looks at us and says, even though that you want something else, I still want you. And I'm going to make a way for you to be with me. We've grown up in America, right? We've grown up here and we think we deserve all of these things. A lot of you have grown up in this church or other churches. And you think, well, of course, God you know, deserves to love me. I'm who I am. But if you remember the covenants... Right? As we talked about them, they don't just replace each other, they build on top of each other from the beginning of time, from the beginning of God's story here, teaching us that he's going to be faithful regardless. So, even though you want something else, I'm showing you that I am faithful regardless if you are not. So, in chapter 31, we, we read about three things the new covenant is going to bring. All right. If you have your Bibles, I'm just curious uh, if you know what those are. All right. I'll teach you it in a second, but it's also more fun when you look through it. So, uh, no right or wrong. I guess there's wrong answers, but I won't make fun too much. Right. So, what are what are some things? What are some promises coming out of the new covenant that we see? And I'll help you out. Chapter 31, verse 34, 35. What's what's some things maybe that we're going to see of this new covenant? Whoa, whoa, stop. Don't everyone speak at the same time. You guys, seriously, we got to listen to each other, all right? Here we go. What's one thing? What's that? I heard it. I heard a mumble. A new heart. What's that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Anybody? New heart? Oh, yeah, it is. A new heart. We're going to see that here. That's cool. Uh, what else maybe do we see? Anybody see anything else? I won't make fun. Come on, just relax. Talk. Who's going to win the Super Bowl today? Anybody? Eagles. Hey! Oh. <laughs> all right, but now we can talk, so that's good, right? Really? Eagles? You think? Oh, man. No, sorry. Not what covenants are being made, but what the, the new covenant is promised. And so, what are things that are going to happen because of the new covenant? What are some of these things that, that are, are promised in that? Do we see it? Do you see? Yeah. He'll forgive our iniquity. Another word for iniquity is sin, right? So that's huge. Those are two huge things. There's one more. We'll talk about it because you guys are really in the talkative mood. So let's just kind of move forward on this, right? So first one that we see here in verse 17 or in, uh, in 31 says that, that he's going to um, uh, basically give us a new heart. Where, where do we see that and why do we need it? 
you got to understand, again, we get it because we're on this side, right? We've already watched the Super Bowl played out. We know who won, so it makes sense to us. Now, right now, we could speculate, oh, Eagles, uh, you know, Kansas City, maybe the 49ers will come back into it. I don't know, right? It might get crazy, right? So we could speculate, but we don't know what's going to happen. Now, 8 o'clock tonight, we're going to be able to look back on it, no problem. Why? Because we're on this side of it. We are on this side of the covenant, so it makes sense to us. Please go back into Old Testament times. These covenants that we've been talking about, why they're doing this covenant that God is saying, I'm drawing you close to me, this is how you do it. I need you to approach me with, with honor and holiness. Why? Because I'm, I'm holy, I'm set apart, I'm unlike anything you know. Right. So with that, it says this, why do we need a new heart? Jeremiah 17 says this. You don't have to turn there. You can write it down if you want. Jeremiah 17.1 says this. It's mind-blowing. The sins of Judah. Judah is another name for Israel. The sins of Judah is written with a pen of iron. With a point of a diamond. It's engraved on the tablets of their heart. That's some strong language. What's that saying? It means sin is really deep-rooted in their hearts. It's literally edged in. And it's very hard to get that thing out. Uh, sin it's engraved in us. Uh, Jeremiah 17, 9 says this, the heart is deceitful above all other things and desperately sick. Friends, if the heart was keeping them from obedience to God, and then that was a constant thing that maybe they, cho- they wanted to go with God, but their heart in, in it was chiseled in just oh, disobedience. The thing is, then what they need, they don't need to just work harder and hope more. They need a new heart. They literally need a transplant of the heart. And Ezekiel 36 says this, God says, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Um, 1 Corinthians 3, uh, 16 goes even a step farther. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? That he's saying, I'm going to give you a new heart because your heart can't obey me. It's full of sin. There's, sin is engraved in your heart. So what you need is a new heart. And guess what? You can't get it, so I'll give you one. I'll put my spirit in you. And that's what we read in Jeremiah 31, 33. It says, I'm going to put my law in their hearts. You need a new heart. And this new covenant that's coming, imagine this being this, this people, the, Israel, the, the, the people of Israel, knowing they're about to get wiped out and taken into captivity. And they're like, why didn't we obey? Because well, our hearts, we just can't. And in here, here's a promise saying, I know you can't, so I'm going to give you a heart that you can't obey. That's this side. Now I want us to go onto this side. You know what I'm talking about when I'm saying looking on this side, right? It's us in this room looking back. We don't have an excuse. Those that are Christ followers, you don't have an excuse because God's spirit is in you. It's dwelling in you. It's reminding you of the truth. My question is, are we living in light of that? Are we living as if we want that sin etched into our hearts? I give up that sinful life because I, I really want to just, I want to go to heaven, but I really want that sinful life. Is that how our heart is? Or are we like, man, I don't want anything to do with that old life and that heart of sin. I want Jesus and I get Jesus. And because of the cross, I get, I get to enjoy him today. When's the last time the gospel has affected your life, Christian? 
As we walk out of these rooms, do we, do we walk into this room and we're like, all right, we're at church, here we go, I'm going to put my time in and I'm at church and I'll celebrate and I'll you know, shake hands. I remember God's in this room and I walk out, all bets are off because i got other things in my mind. And we're finding ourselves swaying back and forth. You've got a new heart. Christ followers have take, God, God has taken your old heart that was chiseled with sin, taken it out, ripped it out, and gave you a new heart, his spirit in you. We have no excuse. And obedience is, it's not, it's not simple, and I'm, I'm recognizing that. It's not easy, but it's possible. And the question is, if we look at this new covenant, do we, we know it's possible, so we're walking in that. So one promise here in the new covenant that is given. All these other covenants that was... Uh, you know, an, an unconditional promise of Abraham that, you know, I will, um, I will, I will multiply, you know, your, your people. And, and, and David, I will, I will always have somebody on that throne. And here a new covenant is saying, you can't live up to any of those things, this conditional promise of if you serve me, you'll stay and enjoy the fruits of the land. If not, you're going to be gone. And he knows they can't. So he says, I'll give you a new heart that allows you to do that. And that must have been mind-blowing. So first thing, the, the, the new covenant gives us a new, a new heart. Next one, 34, check this out. It says this, they shall all know me. That's something maybe that we missed. What is that saying? All access to God. Now again, we, we can look on this side and be like, yeah, of course, we got access to God because of Jesus. Pause, this is written 700 years before Jesus. Mind blow. The way they would access God is once a year a high priest would go and he'd offer sacrifices. He'd go into the Holy of Holies, right? This is a place where, gee, where, where God is you know, was, was residing in this tent. And even to get in, you've got to go through all of these rituals and make sure you are clean. Why? Because to enter the presence of a holy God, you've got to make sure you understand that he says this is the only way you can approach me. Why? Because I'm unlike anything you know. Let that sink in for a second. How many of us walk out here and be like, oh, Jesus is my best buddy. He's my homeboy, right? Get over here, Jesus. You give him like a little noogie on the head, right? We got to be careful to, to, to um, bring Jesus' holiness down. As we enter in the presence of the Holy of Holies, we understand, man, we got to, the priests had to do all of these things in order to walk and to be in the presence of a holy God. One priest. We read about in Scripture other people that had awesome interactions. We read about Moses, right? He had some amazing interactions with God. That was one person. Access was limited. But what happens when Jesus dies on the cross? Remember what happens to the Holy of Holies? Yeah, I remember it. What was that? What happened to it? Yeah, I remember the curtain ripped. What's that? Yeah, what happened? Curtain ripped? What? The curtain ripped! That's right! Do you remember? The curtain ripped. Maybe you remember that as you read the gospel. Jesus dies on the cross. He says, ah, you know, into your hands I give my spirit. He dies. And then, and then you know, uh, thunder and lightning. It's just crazy. Go and read it. It's awesome in the gospels. If you missed it, man, you missed it because it is awesome. Centurions, people trying to kill, or kill Jesus, they're like, man, that was the Son of God. And in that moment, the curtain of the Holy of Holies where that one priest could go because he only alone has access to God, that curtain rips, not side to side, but up and down the middle, <laughs> opening up full access. And he's saying, people aren't going to have to say, do you know him? Do you know him? He's going to say, I, got, I give access now to me, to everyone. Full access. I'm sure you, you've heard stories like this, but you know, a buddy of mine was uh, uh, working in Green Bay 
was able to fly out, and uh, you know, we had basically a, a, a pass that got us into pretty much most of the places in Lambeau Field, right? Um, in, in this awesome stadium, and I'm, as long as I'm with this guy, I could go almost everywhere, and it was amazing. The minute I pull away from him, I try to get in, I get jumped by security quickly, right? And I tried it. It was awesome. I did not. But I'm following him as close as possible, and he's like, here we go, and they're like, come on through. All access, wherever he goes, I get to go, but I got to stay close to him. This is saying that all now will know me, all have access. In fact, Hebrews 4 says this, let's approach God's throne with grace and confidence, but it's only through Christ. So, new covenant is awesome. It gives us a new heart. It gives us access to God. And what else? We said it. It Last thing reminds us, or uh, it, it, it says, I will remember your sins no more. Your sins will be forgiven. Think about what that must have meant for Old Testament. We, we have amazing grace, guys. We have a, it's a good song. We, we have grace that I think as Christians we've grown up and we've heard, man, God, Jesus forgives me, and that is true. But think about what that must have been for the Old Testament to kind of hear these Old Testament uh, uh, Israelites that are about to get taken out of their home because of disobedience. And day after day, to, in order for me to draw close to God, if I sinned once, I would have to offer a sacrifice to say, Lord, look, I recognize you are holy. And I recognize that my sin, uh, that my, my sin uh, dishonored you, and, and because of that, I have to die. Because that's what, that's, sin is a big deal to God. Rebellion's a very big deal to God. I don't know if sin's a big deal to us, and then maybe that's a problem, right? I recognize you as who you are. I've sinned against you, so you, you, you should take my life. But you've allowed me to, to put... Uh, to, to have somebody else be a substitute for me, something else, and then their life will be given for mine. And that's a constant thing, is they would constantly offer sacrifices, saying, I recognize you, and I recognize me and my need for a substitute. And it is unending. Imagine how frustrating and overwhelming that would be. I mean, how many sins you guys committed this morning, you know what I'm saying? No, just think about that, right? Just this last week, how many times you'd have to offer an endless sacrifice in order to be acceptable to the Lord? It's daunting and it's overwhelming. And here he says your sins are going to be forgiven, not just passed over. In the Old Testament, we were charging it to Jesus' account that would later be paid. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to pay for it now. New covenant, it's a, it, it, it points to this new permanent sacrifice that would take away the sins. Hebrews 10, 16, it talks about these priests constantly doing it. And Jesus did one payment, that's it, and then he sat down. And the Holy Spirit testifies to us, and, and in Hebrews 10 says this, 16. Every priest stands daily, oh sorry, it says this. This is the new covenant that I will make. This is now in Hebrews, Right? Uh, seven, eight hundred years later almost, right? Says this, this is the new covenant that I will make with them. After those days, declare the Lord, I will put my law in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins no more and their lawless deeds no more. 
Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. A new covenant, God forgives and forgets sin. Let that sink in. He doesn't just forgive it, he forgets it. We could all take a little, maybe a chapter out of that book. Because I wonder how many of us are like, nah, I'll go ahead and forgive, but I definitely am not going to forget. He does, and I'm so grateful that he does. So there's so much here, and we're going to fly through it here. We're going to land the plane in just a few minutes. The new covenant told to this group of people 700 years before Jesus was even coming on the scene. Listen, you're about to get taken over to captivity. It's going to be awful. But don't worry, there's hope because I'm going to bring you home. In fact, he says that in 31. You'll come back. And he tells Jeremiah just in a moment, hey, go buy some land. Why? Uh, Because you're coming back. Well, the, the people will come back. But with that, let me give you this encouraging news is what he says to those people that are about to pack it up and get taken away. There's a day that's coming that I'm going to go and take out that chiseled heart of sin. I'll take it out and I'll give you my heart, my heart that gives you the ability to obey me. I'll do that. It's not conditional. He says unconditionally, I will do that. Why? Then he says, I will also I will not just take, I, will, I won't just cover your sin. I'm going to take those sins away and I'm going to forget them. I'm going to forgive and forget. And you don't have to do a thing. What? Oh, and I'm going to give you full access to me. Mind blown as they leave. They get taken out of captivity. I think that they have to be blown away, longing for that day to come. They're in captivity. They come back. Ezra and Nehemiah in your Bibles talks about them coming back and rebuilding. Jesus is going to come on the scene 700 years later. And Jesus is going to, in the upper room, say some pretty unbelievable words that maybe, hopefully might, make sense a little bit. He brings them, his disciples, into an upper room, and he says, look, we're going to do something we've always done. We always do this Shabbat Seder dinner. We do this where we will break bread and we will drink juice and we'll remember things. And he says, here's what I'm going to flip on its head. And he breaks bread and he passes it around. And then in Luke chapter 22, 700 years later, I know I keep saying it, but you got to think how awesome the book of the, the Bible's just a story of God's faithfulness. These covenants building one on top of the other. That Abraham will have a, the whole world will be blessed through him about to happen. That, 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 uh, that David, there, there'll be somebody sitting on his throne about to happen. A new covenant that was promised about to happen. And here's what happens. It says this. Likewise, Luke twenty two twenty, And likewise, Jesus taking the cup after they had eaten. And he says, this cup that is poured out for you is good before my blood. I love that though. Thank you. What's it say? Anybody know in Luke? This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant. Boom, mind blow. It's the new covenant in my blood. What were they anticipating? For 700 years, what are they waiting for? The new covenant. 
And now Jesus is saying, friends, I know it gets confusing. I'm sorry. Oh, I don't know. Uh, the eagles. I don't know. Right? So what are they saying? For 700 years, they've been waiting for this new covenant. He's up in the upper room with his disciples, and he's like, this is my cup, my, 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 my body, or my blood, given for you. It's the new covenant. Boom! They go to this passage. Why? This is what they've been waiting for. Some, a new heart, given. Forgiveness of sin, given. And access fully to God, given. And Jesus says, this is happening tonight. And he goes to the cross a few hours later, and he gives his life. And that's when the curtain rips open, and all of a sudden, people are like, this is the guy, the one we've been waiting for. The new covenant is here. I uh, wrap it up around. Um, you know, you guys have seen a lot of technology, I'm sure, come through your life uh, I, I worked at Hume Lake, and so I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't really need one, because now they have kind of access up there, Wi-Fi and stuff. But for, you know, we used to have pay phones when I was up there. Yep, that's the only way to call parents. So I had a little flip phone for the longest time, right? But I remember, uh, I remember my friend had a little iPod back in the day, and it was a video iPod, and it blew my mind. And the screen, I kid you not, was about that big. That's it. And I, we would download shows, and I was on an airplane once watching... Uh, watching his show on a, that big of a screen, and I'm like, oh my gosh, one day it will be the size of my phone, and that will blow my mind. And now I have it in my back pocket. Whoa, right? Look at this. Do you see it? Do you know what this is? It's insane. It's a whole screen of it. And I don't even have to buy it. I could just straight up, I have Wi-Fi right now. I could watch movies right now. And I'm like this. All right, I'm used to it. And I bring that up because, you guys, I'm just scared that I think some of us are just used to God's grace. I think we forget what it must have been like for them because we're like, yeah, Jesus loves me, died for me. Yeah, I mean, I kind of deserve it, you know? Jesus is kind of lucky to have me on his team. As we're finishing up the series with the, the new covenant, I think what an honor it is for me to be able to talk about it and just to encourage you a little bit in myself. I've been encouraged by this. We don't have to do all of these things to earn God's favor because we never can. And he sees that in an unfaithful people and he says, I'll be faithful regardless of you. Because life isn't about you, it's about me. That's why it starts in the Bible, in the beginning, God. It's about him. Just quit making it about you. And we have full access to God. Take advantage of that. Forgiveness and freedom from sin. Take advantage of that. A spirit that isn't one full of sin. Those that are Christ followers in the room, your old heart has been taken out and the new heart of the spirit of God. The living God is in you, giving you full access to him. Walk out, changed and transformed and live in that freedom. We've got a new covenant that we're under. So let's live in that. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for this time, my friends. I pray as we leave this place that we think about it more, that we think about the fact that we've been transformed. And if our lives have been transformed, why would we go back and live as if it wasn't? It's a silly thing that I think we do too often. Newness of life, may we walk in that today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.